The content of this podcast is intended for an adult audience due to the nature of sensitive subject matter and topics. Welcome to the Romantic Truth Podcast. You may also visit us at romantictruth.org or on Facebook at Romantic Truth in the search. Now, without further ado, introducing Jorzen, the host of Romantic Truth from our studio in Las Vegas. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth Las Vegas, and we're going to talk about fantasies and fetishes today. What is a fantasy? It's a narrative that we may have that we would like to see that doesn't quite exist in our reality. It's a bit of illusion. It's something that we would love to have, but not necessarily have it at the present moment. It may be a beautiful woman. It may be a handsome guy. Who knows? What is a fetish? A fetish is a form of arousal based on a particular component or aspect of an individual. It could be a woman with large breasts. It could be a man with a big penis for some women. It could be long hair. It can be short hair. It varies. And it can go on and actually be a whole lifestyle in some cases, depending. Now, the difficulty people have a lot of times is when they go into relationships, sometimes they go with the fantasy as a lead or the fantasy slash fetish as a lead. And sometimes people would like that crossover. So take, for instance, their fantasy may be to be with a woman that's in the BDSM, but his fetish may be to be with a fat woman. So by compiling the two, he wants a fat woman that's in the BDSM, as an example, for his fantasy. Or the woman may want a guy who has a six-pack, but who has a six-pack and may be very dominant. Or he may be very caring and loving, very soft. It depends. Now, here's what we have to understand, though. That narrative is something that people may try to fulfill. Doesn't necessarily mean that it's true, doesn't necessarily mean that it's factual or that it's going to be accurate. But it's something that they go by. Now, here's another thing we have to look at as in the situation with uh, a show that used to air, I believe it was on one of the channels on Lifetime or, no, it wasn't Lifetime, it was Bravo. Um, There was a dating coach that was on there years ago and there was a lady that was rather overweight, but she had inherited a considerable amount of wealth and her fantasy was to be with a man who had the washboard abs with the muscles. Well, of course, the woman didn't look like that. And so what she wanted was a physically fit guy. Well, the coach was trying to set her up with a guy, and she was trying to coach her into not having sex with them, try to establish the relationship. Well, the first night they got together, they had sex. She was all over the guy. The guy was no longer interested in her. And, of course, the coach was upset. Now... In this case, even though she was rejected by the guy, the guy did have sex with her, even though he rejected her. And a lot of times, you know, some of the people don't look for the quality of a relationship when they're pursuing a fantasy or a fetish. They're just looking for that gratification because see that dopamine kicks in and that's all that matters to them is that gratification of being with that person, no matter how they're treated no matter how they interact, no matter about the quality of the relationship. It's not uncommon with fantasies for people that may look for something that they cannot provide themselves. So this woman may be looking for a guy that's 6'4 with washboard abs and muscles, and she may be 5'3", weighing 340 pounds. And a lot of times, what they project out that they would like doesn't necessarily 
accept them or want them in reverse. But usually people that project fantasies, they very seldom have a reflection in the mirror of themselves. In other words, there's a delusion there. Not always, because some people will bring what they have. So if she's physically fit, she's looking for a physically fit guy. And that could very well be her fantasy. Now, the other thing we have to keep in mind is this. Where does this fantasy lead you? Does it lead you to start dating a certain type of person? I've known of a lady in Los Angeles years ago. And her goal, even though she was married to a black man, she was African-American herself, her fantasy was to sleep with a white man. That had been a lifelong fantasy of hers. Because in many ways, in many reaches of her mindset, she felt as though that was the validation she needed in order to be classified as a woman, as she perceived it. She had a lower view of black men even though she was married to a black man. She feels as though she did not do the best thing she could as far as making a choice in a man. And so the elusive white man became her fantasy. Well, eventually she slept with a gentleman that was an executive in a company. She got pregnant by him. And the sad part about it was She was so infatuated with the fantasy of being with this man, even though he was married and didn't want to have anything to do with her and her child, that she forfeited her marriage in order to try to pursue this man. Some people have that, and it's entrenched. And she didn't care how she was treated by this man. This man didn't want to have anything to do with her for the most part. But she was in love with the fact that the fantasy was something she could love and not necessarily the person. The reality of it was he wanted to pay her off and get her out of his sight. But the way she saw it was she still wanted to come back to him, still pushing in his face that, hey, we have a child together, etc., etc. He didn't care. He was like, fuck you and the kid. Here's the money every month. And she couldn't get over it. You have some people that have that going on. Now, here's another thing, too, that you have to understand. There's some people that have hypergamy, and they use that to the hilt. You hear that word a lot, especially around the circles of these younger people. These exalted goals that they want to achieve with this person that they're looking for, this ultimate man. It's all a big lie. It's all in their head. Because what they're doing, they're doing just what poor people do. You think about being rich and telling everybody what you'd do with the lottery money if you were to win that that lottery money. And like many of the clients we used to have at the company I worked for, they would come in with that lottery winnings. And before it's over with, (laughs) a few years down the road, they're broke because they were comfortable being broke but they wanted to know what it felt like to have money and it's what you run across with these fantasies a lot of times they want to feel want to see what it feels like to be with someone else there was a gentleman that wrote me who went out and had an affair with a trans woman to see what it was like against his girlfriend without his girlfriend knowing And after he had that experience, he was trying to figure out how he was going to explain that to his girlfriend because he wanted to incorporate his girlfriend into this particular relationship. And of course, she didn't want to have nothing to do with it. And his fantasy being with this individual cost him his relationship. You will find people who will risk it all for a fantasy while they're in a relationship. And you will find others who are just only dating you based on a fantasy, a narrative they have in their head about you. And they will go and make up every excuse in order for that fantasy to come to fruition. That's the reason why they qualify you dogging them out and you treating them like crap. Because they 
can deal with that. Now, here's the other uh, fact about it. As they're going through this, what they do then is, you know, if I always tell you, lowering the standards, that's the one thing they have to do. They lower those standards so that they can get that affirmation. See, here's the thing. The way they look at it, if they lower the standards, lower all the requirements that they would never, ever allow anyone else to get around, they look at it from the standpoint it's going to be an easier leap for them to get the affirmation and approval of the person they're pursuing. And that can be very, very minuscule at best. It could be a situation where they could just say, well, you know what, Uh, I'll just let you give me oral sex. They will take that as an honor. Where if another guy, for instance, were to say, hey, you know what, I want oral sex, you'd look at him like, man, you're crazy. You don't even meet my standards. Because he doesn't qualify based on what she's seeing in this narrative. And see, there's a difference between the fantasy and the reality of pursuing someone else because here's the difference is the actuality of it. See, a person who's pursuing a normal relationship, they see the flaws. They recognize the flaws in that person. They recognize the flaws within themselves and guess what they don't do? They don't make excuses or gaslight themselves in order to go forward in the relationship. And this is the distinction here because these individuals actually do because they have to. This is the only way they can cope with the relationship and this is the only way they can lower their boundaries and standards to such a level where if they're humiliated, they'll be willing to accept the humiliation. If they're dogged out, they're willing to accept being dogged out because see the fantasy is the promise for them and that's where they put it. And so the fetishes are all complementary things that enhances the fantasy. So, for instance, they may be into something really crazy. Like uh, one person wrote me, her husband would want to sniff her dirty underwear before she washed it. And she thought that was kind of odd. But now she was a heavyset woman. And she was embarrassed because of the size of her underwear. The husband didn't mind that because she met his size fetish. And she also met the fantasy of what he wanted to do. And that was smell her dirty underwear. And people have different idiosyncrasies. Women do also. So let's not just put it on the men, ladies. Some of you talk about how you like sucking testicles. Some of you like uh, other things, needless to say. Ass eating and all the rest of the stuff. Antilingus, cunnilingus, all this stuff. And uh, fellatio, of course. But what you have to understand, too, is that when you go into a relationship with the premise of a fantasy or a fetish to be met, you better think a little bit further than that. You need to start thinking about the quality and character of the person you're with and allow the fantasy and the fetish to complement the foundation of the relationship. But you got to start first off by being friends in order for it to last. Because you could have the friendship layer, the relationship layer, then you could have the fetish, then you could put the family on top of that, and you can go on with that. But you have to make sure that you want to have that friendship as a foundation, then the relationship, and that means the mutual respect, and then onward. A lot of times people don't have that, and what happens, they just have the empty fantasy and fetish, and at any point, it can go left. And what these people wind up doing, they wind up being broken, and they wander and they try to find someone else that have those same characteristics and they get involved with them. And then when they get involved with them, they go through that same cycle. And when you meet them on the dating scene, a lot of times, folks, you don't know what the hell's wrong with them. They're not really committed in the relationship. They're not taking things seriously. Uh, 
as far as going through and having a tangible relationship. And what you'll wind up with is an individual that's like a zombie, an emotional zombie. And so there's no personality associated with them. And basically they're kind of flat, dry, and just want to get to the point of their fetish or fantasy and that's it. And so it's a one-dimensional, one-note type of relationship. We're going to talk more in just a moment. Now, fantasies are considered more romantic by women. Romance novels, they're based on fantasy. Now, when it comes down to fetishes, they look at that as more of a masculine thing, more of a visual sexual desire. So, if you'll notice a lot of times when you're talking to women and you start talking about fetishes, some of them will cringe. But when you're talking about fantasies, they are a little bit more receptive. They think of Cinderella, they think of different other more pleasant and dainty things. Fantasy fetishes seems to denote more of a harsh, um, graphic male type of uh, perspective. A friend of mine used to always say, look at it as simple colors. Fantasies are white, fetishes are black. Meaning that fantasies are more or less uh, these things that are more socially acceptable than fetishes would be. And there's some validity to that to a certain degree. Now, when it comes down to fetishes, and we're going to talk about this in this particular segment, a lot of people are really ashamed or embarrassed to reveal their fetish. They may not want to tell their partner that the reason why they're with them, and you know, the partner says, well, why did you choose me? And they may be thinking, well, you know, I'm nothing to look at. I'm not that attractive or I'm fat or I'm tall and I don't get that many dates or I'm skinny and I don't get that many dates or I'm too petite. I don't get that many dates. It could be a whole spectrum of self-criticism that they could go by. But what it comes down to is that you have fulfilled the kind of fetish that that person may perceive you in their minds for whatever activities they care to do. So, it could very well be based on race. It could be based on ethnicity, on background. It varies. I remember one time in particular, a lady that I dated, she was Latina, and what she told me was pretty interesting because we were talking one evening about why we chose each other for the relationship. And she said, well, why do you like me? What, what, what about me you liked? And I liked her because she was a very nice woman. And she was kind of interesting because she had this glow about her skin that was more like uh, the women you would find in Morelia down in Mexico where they had this really deep brown skin, but they were very beautiful women. But that wasn't the only reason. I liked her personality and I liked the way she carried herself. And she told me something interesting. She said that her fantasy was to always be with a black man. And one of her fetishes was to whisper Spanish in his ear while they're having sex. And she said that was a turn on for her. And I felt like, damn, I'm nothing but just a placeholder for sex for this lady. And then, you know, she tried to clean it up and say, no, 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 I don't mean I'm just using you for that purpose. But that's one of the things that really turns me on. And so women have different, you know, proclivities just like men do when it comes down to fantasies. They have certain ideas that they want to follow through with. And that's understandable. Men do too, of course. Ladies, you know this. But a lot of times what happens, many of the fantasies may be out of the scope of most normal uh, behavior. 
Like for instance, uh, I dated a woman one time, went down to La Jolla, and she took me to this house, beautiful home on the beach. Guy had the porch in the front yard, all the rest of the stuff. And we went into the house. She told me, come on in with her. Which I was going to stay out in the car. I didn't really want to go in, but I went on in. And we go downstairs, and I noticed the walls started turning dark. Well, I'm thinking maybe the lighting or something was bad. No, he had painted all the walls black down in the dungeon. And he had this chair, like a chair with stirrups and everything. And I'm like, what the hell are we getting into? What she did with this man was she paid him to put these small micro nails around her areolas. He would literally hammer them in with a small hammer. And this is what she had to do before she would have sex. And she paid this guy like a hundred and some dollars for it. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, that's gotta hurt. But to her, she liked pain when she had sex. So after everything was done, which I thought was weird, and I was afraid to even ask the guy about, you know, what the hell do you do for a living? We went back upstairs, got in the car, and went to dinner, and then went to her place. And she says, well, the nails have now made me swell up, so I feel really good. And what they did do, they did stimulate her breasts where they were larger. And we went on and made love, and she was like, make sure you suck my nipples, because the pain from the areolas, it makes me feel a certain way. That was her thing. And then she'd go back, and the guy would remove them. But this is what her fantasy was. This is what she liked doing. This was her fetish. And um, it took a while for me to really realize that this would be part of our relationship. And I didn't feel comfortable her going down there every other week to get this done with this guy. And I'm like, you know, maybe you'll find somebody that can really deal with that on an ongoing basis. But it was like, it was nothing near beyond the fantasy. There was nothing near beyond the sex that we had. There was no substance there. It was all about her and her fetishes. She wanted me to whip her with a damn um, leather paddle and all this other stuff. And it was like, I wasn't getting anything out of it. She was the one that was, you know. And so I got to a point, I said, this shit is boring. But, you know, you have to be in that lifestyle. And I told her, I said, you know, and she was like, well, you think we could we could probably go in and take a class in it so that it could help you out? And I just like this, you know, and I'm like, no, we don't need to take a class and I'm just not interested in it. I said, you know, this is something that you came up with a long time ago before you met me. So there's no need to try to educate me in it. I'm just not interested. And of course she was like, oh, you don't have an open mind, etc." Whatever is not happening. And so, with that, I went on. But there are other people with fetishes and fantasies. That, you know, hey, the lady who wrote in, who likes for whipped cream to be sprayed between her toes before she has sex. It's a sensation that she likes. People have weird fantasies. They have weird fetishes. And see, the thing is, the theater of the mind, when it comes down to a fantasy, is what carries women through. So they could read a romance novel and have sex with a guy or be intimate with him, and they will have this odyssey in their head. Because when they close their eyes, they can go into places that most people can't. We, of course, men, we're more visual. We want to see everything. We want to see us going in the woman and all the rest. Because that, for us, is the turn on. Now, another thing, too. Fellas, 
please be careful about revealing what kind of fantasies you desire with your woman. Here's how most guys get in trouble. When you started talking about incorporating girlfriends or exes or their female relatives into your sexual exploits, you're crossing a line. Be very careful with that. Because even though these women have fantasies and have uh, fetishes, they have boundaries also. Many times in SN, uh, V and DSNM relationships, they will have safe words they will use, which will mean for you to stop. They may see something like lemon juice. That means for you to stop. It all depends on whatever you guys work out. What I would recommend highly, and what I had to learn was this. Before you get with someone, when they tell you that they're into a certain lifestyle, understand you know what the hell that they're talking about. Don't let them educate you. Study up on it a bit and then make your assessment on it as they tell you more about it. And then for you to make a decision. Because see, people can be very persuasive and talk you into something that you had no idea you were getting into. And before you know it, your ass is chained up in somebody's basement. So before you do that, Read up on it. Find out what it's about. And trust me, there's some deplorable fetishes out there. When they start talking about toilets and all that stuff, you know, unless, I'm telling you, unless you're into that, (laughs) mm -mm. no, there's some people that get into those things, so you have to watch the realm in which you're going into. That's what I'm saying. Because, folks, there are lifestyles built on all of these fetishes. It's not just a fetish. It's not just a one-time thing. This is the way these people live. There's a woman that's on Twitter. She weighs about close to 400 pounds. And what these men do, they pay her to put a vacuum hose up her butt and they wear a gas mask so they they can inhale the fumes. So imagine, any man that would get in a relationship with her, he would have to be into that. There are other things that people get into, and some of them I'm not going to talk about here, but the thing I will say, the cutoffs usually are anything that has to do with minors, anything that has to do with animals, anything that has to do with some objects. But then again, like I said, some people have fetishes. There was one lady I dated and she loved these bedposts. She loved these beds, these old antebellum beds with the uh, bedposts. And I wondered why, because everything in her house pretty much had It was old Victorian furniture and it had these old knobs on them. Well, it was only obvious why she liked the knobs. Door knobs, you name it. (laughs) And once I realized that, I said, yeah, I'll probably go through the house and have to wipe off every doorknob, wipe off every bedpost, not my cup of tea. But you never know what people are into until you get to know them. I can't stress this enough because many of you even right now are in relationships with people that you think are perfectly normal and everything is fine. But (laughs) if they had a run of actually being themselves, oh yeah, you would have a serious mind fuck because there would be things in their head that they would never verbalize never externalize. This is one of the reasons why people who are in relationships who get in there in in um, a way that is not really how could I best say it ethical. In other words they're getting with you in a conventional relationship but they have this other lifestyle that they want to live and they're, they're trying to figure out how could they introduce it to you. They didn't disclose this to you in the beginning. And this is the reason why I talk about the X factor in relationships, because they're keeping this 
dormant because they know that if they tell you about it or expose you to it, you're going to do what? Form an opinion and make a judgment. And that's what they're trying to avoid. I told you again, insecurities, people will protect along with addictions. So this is something that they're going to try to keep under wraps. The reason why you see these people wind up getting caught doing things and a partner is appalled, just like the woman down in Texas. She doubled back from work one day, came home because she had suspected that the husband was not going to work. Found her husband, bent over the damn living room sofa and this trans woman pounding away from behind. What it comes down to folks, people will put up a facade and they will hide this. They will hide that lifestyle, that behavior. Now, does this mean everybody's like that? No, it doesn't. Some people don't go there. Some people don't have to go there, but there are others who do for whatever reason. We'll talk more in just a moment. All right, let's look at um, some information here that I pulled up from Asian Age when they started talking about kinks, fantasies, and fetishes among couples. Now, they did a research uh, survey through the Journal of Sexual Research, and they found that about half of the people in the world, half of the couples in the world, rather, engage in some sort of kink or fetish-based activities. Now, the interesting thing was the leading, by far, sexual kink or fantasy fetish was voyeurism. These couples like to be admired having sex in public in different places, and they also did not mind looking at others in that process. That was a big thing for them. Overwhelmingly, that was the majority of people in the survey when they uh, chose which fashion of uh, fetish they preferred the most, or style of fetish. And they fantasized about being admired by the couples, or people, and they also fantasized about certain people that they would like to see such as, and the interesting thing is, the majority of the people that they would like to see naked or having sex would be people that they have already had desires for, such as co-workers, friends, and even some cases, family members. Kind of weird. Now, here's the interesting facts about all this, too, is that many of these folks actually believe that Couples should keep their intimate affairs in the bedroom behind closed doors. Now, the popularity of, you know, movies like Fifty Shades of Grey in the book had a lot to do with the dormant fantasies that people also have. Now, the second leading uh, fantasy that was really popular among couples in this study were objects. People liked having sex with objects, inanimate objects, whether it was fruit, whether it was uh, posts, you know, like bedposts, those kind of things. And they got fulfillment out of this. Now, the third leading, of course, was B&M, B&D, S&M. And in this case, what they found was that the people who enjoyed sex the most out of all the couples were the submissive types of individuals. They actually benefited more than the dominant types in these relationships. Now, the way the submissives would always control the dominant individual would be to leave them in the event they did not do something correctly or didn't fulfill a contract of some sort. And yes, these people do sign contracts to be humiliated. And so in that respect, the submissive is the one that's always on the prowl for new meat or new people. 
unlike the dominant. Now, it varies from place to place, of course, geographically. But overall, this is the results from this particular survey. Now, the one thing to keep in mind with this as well is that a lot of these people have been in relationships with partners that were already immersed into that lifestyle. So they started out this way. So this is the reason why they may be a little bit more adept and comfortable with the things they do. These people have no partner, no problem doing things in front of their partner or with their partner. And you have others, of course, that prefer to deal with other individuals as far as uh, swingers, that kind of thing. However, for the most part, you're seeing that many of these people that were surveyed in this particular sample, they were couples that were more committed to each other and they like to watch other couples naked and doing their things. So they weren't more these uh, situations where they want their partner to participate in something else and they watch. Now, here's the thing to keep in mind too. If you get involved in a relationship based on a fantasy that has a fetish at the foundation, understand that there are other people that desire your partner based on that fetish, whatever it is. And that sometimes is the lure for them to maybe cheat or go forward. Because what you have to remember, even in that lifestyle, whatever it may be, it may not be one that's popular. So therefore, it may not be so um, pronounced, which means that if they get an opportunity with someone else, they may more than likely pursue it as opposed to deny it. Because, after all, it may be far and in between for they find another person that's kind of openly into that particular fetish. Now, a lot of them may join, you know, certain lifestyle uh, blogs or communities or something of that sort. But even that space gets very crowded quickly and people get reputations and after a while that gets old. And so you'll have a lot of these different groups based on local geographical locations and these people will go and intersect with others as they expand outward. Not uncommon. There, for instance, I'll give an example. In Oklahoma City, there was a wife-swapping group, uh, like a swingers group, and they set up affiliations with one in Dallas. And from that point on, these people, if they would have to be from one of those two communities before they could actually interact or have sex or intimacy with each other. So any outsiders were, of course, banned. That's one thing about this particular type of lifestyle. It's one of those things where it's like an inclusive group and outsiders are kind of looked upon with a lot of speculation because one thing that these people are trying to avoid is judgment. They don't need that criticism. They don't need that. This is the reason why they branched off into their own lifestyle. So they won't have to face that from, you know, the morality seekers and that kind of thing. Now, is this wrong? The answer is no. You know, people have their own proclivities, their own uh, desires to go and do things. And what we have to learn to do is understand appreciate and accept. We don't necessarily have to participate. And I think a lot of times that's where we get it mixed up. Because we think for some reason, if we accept it, if we know it exists, in some way we're condoning it or we're endorsing it. We're not. You know, you may not be into that particular thing. You may be into something else. It varies. But the thing you have to keep in mind is that a lot of these are very localized groups and even though overall they may have larger numbers but it's not a huge consensus where they all are just speaking with one voice at one time because each of these different communities and cliques are different 
and they have different rules, different guidelines. There's some where if you're a single male, you're not allowed to be in that circle. You're not allowed to participate in anything. However, if you're a single female, they'll let you in. You can go on and do whatever the hell you want. Because what they try to do is to keep the male population down in that sense. So it's not uncommon for them to have more women than men in many of these groups. Now, one thing you'll find also, more men are into fetishes than women, statistically. However, women do have fetishes. And some of them are kind of dark. There are um, groups that you can imagine any kind of uh, sexual or erotic motivation or arousal. There is a group for it. There are women in this one particular group that I was reading about in particular. They love to be on their period. And when they're on their period, they literally go to this particular group where these men worship them while they're in that way. Now, I'm not going to go into detail of some of the things they do, but the men and the women participate in some uh, controversial behavior. I put it that way. But this is what they do in other places. They may dress up and they may have something like a Furby meeting. And I don't mean the little toys. These people literally go and rent these huge costumes of cartoon characters. And they have sex with anonymous people. And the goal is to have anonymity. So in that way, the very people they might have had sex with, they may work with, uh, they may you know, even be next door neighbors. But a couple of things that are part of the guidelines at this one particular group was that nobody spoke while they were there. If you found someone that you were interested in, you rubbed on them, and then you started having sex with them. That was it. No ifs, no ands, no buts, no dialogue. And these people are in these full body costumes. The only thing they really see is just... uh, the genitalia. They had flaps so that they could go and do their thing. So the women, if they wanted to, you know, be with a guy, they could just go and pull the flap down. The guy pulls the flap down in the front and they go for it. But this is just one of the things. And so what this means primarily, folks, is that these people invest time and money and effort in this. So it's a full-blown full lifestyle. It's not something that's a one-off. It's not something that they do on occasion. This is part of who they are and how they live. And so when a person tells you something to the effect of, well, you might not uh, enjoy the kind of lifestyle I live, uh, trust them, they probably really mean it. And they might you know, tell you about what they're into early on. And that'll give you an idea as to whether or not you have the stomach for it or not. People who are proud of what they do, they don't mind talking about it. People who are ashamed will always keep that as an X factor. And then drop it in the relationship somewhere along the way later on. So it's like a bomb that goes off and you're like, well, damn, I didn't know you were into that. But if that person would have told them in the beginning, they wouldn't have had the relationship as they look at it. And again... They use the old thing of trying to win you over emotionally first, you know, and and get you there cerebrally. And then once they have you in that particular space, then what they can do at that point is come in and say, well, you know, let me introduce you to this part of my life, this part of my lifestyle. I always tell you folks, before you get into a relationship, If there are any kind of fetishes or any kind of fantasies that you may have, what you may want to do is look at joining a group of some sort that's into that to see who's single and look at whether or not that might be a compatible partner for you. It makes it much easier because you both are going into the relationship already into this lifestyle. 
So it's not something that has to be introduced that may be a threat to the partner or you. And in that way, you know what you're dealing with up front. That is important. And people don't think about it. You know, you had a lot of people that didn't talk about sex way back when, even when I was dating out there. And what you have to remember is a lot of those people were surprised later on if they got into the relationship that, damn, you were into that? And, oh, that's disgusting. I'm not into that. I, I don't know what you're talking about. They had that dialogue. I had friends of mine that dated women, especially in the African-American community, and they got with these women, and then when they, after they got married, eh, they tried to go down on their wives, and the wives were like, no, I don't do that. And then they would try to get the wives to go down on them, oh, no, I don't do that either. But throughout the whole time they were dating, they thought, well, you know, after I marry her, after we get engaged, maybe things will change. And this is the reason why. You want to introduce these things while you're dating before you talk about a commitment with that person. So they'll know if they're into that and you're into that, then you can go. If not, then what you have is an impasse. And that's not a good look. And it may not work out for you too. Because you're going to have one person that's repressed and the other one that feels as though they think less of you. And we're going to talk about this particular aspect in the next segment. One of the toughest truths to face is a partner that's not down for the fetish or the fantasy that you're into. So take, for instance, that partner has all the physical attributes you would like in your fantasy, but you're trying to put them in a way where they would fit your narrative of how they're supposed to behave in your fantasy. And now, remember, this is delusion. This is a delusion. In other words, this is the way you would like for them to be, but not the way they are. And some of you may have some serious issues with this, especially some of you ladies when the guy doesn't quite act the way you want him to because he's supposed to follow the script that's going on in your narrative. Now, here's another thing. The fetish you may have also, he may not be into, or you may not be into if he has one. And this is a very trying thing. And there are couples that have gone to therapy for this and wasted a lot of money because had the partner known that this person had this fetish, they would have never married them or never gotten a relationship with them. And no matter how you try to put that person in a place of feeling shamed or blaming them for the marriage failing or for them cheating on you or cheating on the relationship, what it comes down to is if you didn't disclose honestly what you were into in the beginning, you're at fault here. And a lot of people don't like accepting that. Well, you should have known I was into this and I no, didn't know that. That was something that you threw on me. So sometimes people will assume because they've dated other people in that lifestyle that when they get with someone new, that because they're so accustomed to being in that lifestyle, whatever it is, or fantasy, fan, uh, fetishes that they're dealing with, they're thinking that, oh, well, you should already know. And that's not the case at all. Because again, you're not dealing with universal acceptance. This is an individual situation. Totally different, just like you are when you meet someone. You know, there's no blanket statement that can just uh, resonate with everyone. So the same thing goes with fantasies and fetishes. Now, here's another thing, too, to keep in mind. When you're at a point of trying to persuade a partner to pursue a fetish with you or some sort of fantasy, uh, the horse has left the barn at that point. They've doubled down. They said no. And if you haven't interpreted what no means at this point, they're looking at you in a different way now, in a different light. 
So at this point, you really have to face some facts here. You're not at a point where you're going to be respected or treated the same anymore. That person may start exiling you if you're a man. Uh, You may start getting emotional abandonment if you're a woman. Take, for instance, one fetish that many women have a problem with, and that's anal sex. So the man may now try to pull this on her after he's been with her in the relationship for a while, and she's trying to appease him in a way, and she'll say, okay, we'll give it a try, and then it's painful or whatever, and she's like, no, I don't want to do that again. Well, he wants to do it again because he liked the feeling from, from what he got with her. And so at this point, being that wife or girlfriend doesn't want to participate anymore, that gives him the incentive of, of course, going out looking for a woman that's into that. And the reason why a lot of women are upset, as well as some men, about this particular action when a man goes out and cheats on her, especially if he proposes something to her in the bedroom and she says no, it's the fact that that other woman's going to probably do it and do it better and have most of his attention. And the reason why the wife or girlfriend is so mad is because she doesn't go there in that respect and she's trying to shame him and blame him. And he's looking at it from the standpoint of, you can save that shit, it's old, this is a part of me that I needed to have fulfilled. The problem is, he was not honest with her up front and told her what he was into. As most men will do, they will lie in the beginning of a relationship. And when they reveal what they're really into, uh, the woman finds out and a lot of times she's put on put on the uh, spotlight where she has to go and figure out, oh my God, uh, how am I going to keep him? Will this help me keep my man? Is he going to go out and do other things with other women? Well, I want to be a part of this. And she goes on reluctantly, even though it's not something she's into, she manages to survive it for the relationship, for the sake of the relationship. And a lot of women engage in this just to keep the man from cheating or going outside the marriage or relationship. On the other hand, there's some men that may do the same thing. And a lot of times the women may realize that, hey, you know what? He's not doing what I need to have done. Yeah, he's having sex with me, but he's not giving me foreplay. He's not going down on me. He's not allowing me to go down on him. He's not allowing this to happen. And, of course, this woman may go out and get her desires met if she feels emotionally abandoned. Sex still remains one of the operative functions that people will go out and cheat because of. It's one of those things because it's part of the relationship. A part of the relationship that's marginalized throughout and in the beginning. The women are worried more about being used for sex and therefore they're very hypervigilant on it. And then a lot of times when they do have sex with a guy, they're just going to have that sex that's satisfying to them. And a lot of times the women never ask, hey, was this good for you? Was this okay? What else do you want? Are you into this or into that? Not too many women ask those questions. They go and take the easy way out. They're just going to give him what they want and then hope he likes it and think that that's going to keep him. This is the reason why a lot of women have the misconception that if you feed a man and screw him, that you got him. And that's not the case. You can't feed him and screw him and think you are doing him. Doesn't work that way. So it comes down to a situation where you got to talk. You have to communicate. And you have to talk about your fantasies and your fetishes and the things you want to have done, the things you like. And understand that that's part of your relationship. And it varies on, you know, what you guys interact and engage with. There was one lady that I dated years ago, and this is kind of telling. And what she liked doing, she had put this mirror up by her bed when we first started dating. And she said, I like to be in the missionary position because I like to see that white foam 
that froth comes out coming out of me while a guy's inside of me. That was the thing that really turned her on. Okay, no problem there. So, you have to talk, you have to communicate. And, you know, people have different things that really get them going. The guy down in uh, Phoenix, which I didn't agree with, the lady wrote in about his situation. She was Hispanic, and he wanted to have sex with her while she ate a taco, which was very stereotypical, it's demeaning. But she went on and did it for the sake of her relationship, only to be dumped by him later because he looked at her as nothing more than a sexual novelty. And this is what a lot of people fear when it comes to the fantasy aspect of a relationship. That person that's not really committed to you, but committed to the fantasy of you. And that's a horrible feeling. Because you realize the only reason why they were with you because of a stereotype that they wanted to fulfill or some other fantasy. This is the reason why when it comes down to interracial dating and specifically... If it's exploratory sex, let them know that. You know, when you say, oh, I've never been with a black man or I've never been with a black woman before, et cetera, et cetera. So they'll know what the scope of that is, not to get involved emotionally. Because the worst thing in the world is for a person to be led astray on a situation where they think they're in a relationship and the only thing they're dealing with is somebody just fulfilling a fantasy. And after that fantasy is fulfilled, they're on their way. Now, a lot of people won't tell you this because that will blow the notion of what they're trying to do. So you have to be observant. You're in the relationship with them. You're noticing that they are not giving you any other um, elements of their personality besides the sexual aspect. So you're not actually talking about things of substance you're not finding out about each other you're more or less just hitting the skins and that's it well there's nothing there and here's the sad thing about it there are a lot of women out there and that's the only thing they have literally and that's the reason why a lot of them hold out on sex because they know after you had sex with them fellas there's nothing else there for them They have nothing else, nothing coming, no personality, nothing else. And so that's the reason why they focus on that. And many of them become very proficient and good at it because that's their way of communicating. And that's the only way they communicate. So it, you know, it depends on the person and the way they have been brought up and what they value. A lot of them have, uh, men and women have got sexual uh, ideas from situations they were in past relationships. Some may carry forward some of the horrible things that may have happened to them in their childhood. It varies. A lot of those things don't go away. I can't tell you how many times my friends used to hate to take me to strip clubs because what would happen is I wouldn't spend any money on the dances. The hell with that. I would just sit there and talk to the women a lot of times, and these women would tell me everything about their lives. And the interesting thing was, the guys just get mad at me because they're like, yo, dude, you holding up her money. I said, well, hell, it's up to her. If she doesn't want to make any money and just talk to me, she can go right ahead, but she knows she can go out there and dance when she wants to. And what I found was that the women who were successful at it, they were the ones that sat down and talked with me. The ones that were out there still trying to make their dollar and still trying to hustle, who still owed the club money, they ain't had no time for that. And it was kind of interesting because I got my full education on how that whole lifestyle works. One lady I sat with, she told me straight up, she said, you see her? She said she owed the club close to $4,500. But the problem was... She didn't know how to dance and wouldn't listen to anybody. The lady who sat by me was 35, getting ready to retire. She'd already made her money. 
and she told me about her whole life story, along with many others, about how they had gone through and some of the things they had gone through. Some of them were molested, others were not. They came from homes where they had the mother and father in home, but guess what they didn't have? They didn't have any love, any communication. Dad and mom bought them things, but left them to their own devices. And so they had this void in them, and they wanted to be appreciated for something. And the one lady in particular, the 35-year-old I was talking to that night, she told me, I used to bring home all A's on my report card and never get even a hello from my parents. She talked about how she went on the volleyball team and they won a trophy, how she played basketball and won a trophy. Parents didn't care. She graduated from high school. They didn't show up. And she was trying to some way to get their attention. And so she said, I became a stripper. And she said, when I became a stripper at 18, she said, that's when the first time that she got a reaction from her parents. And that reaction was, of course, a negative one. She said, but at least I got a reaction. I got their attention. And she said, then I realized that I could get men's attention when I went to the nightclubs. So it wasn't a situation that the only thing I was getting was that negative attention from my family and that negative attention from the men in high school when she, where she was, who used to always tell her she was a beanpole, she was skinny, she was this. She said she went on and put on the weight, started working out, and then started hitting the poles. And once she realized how to make money in the industry, she started making the money and she said she knew that her limitation was at around 35, she was gonna quit. And she had saved her money up and she was about ready to leave. But she was one of the fortunate ones. A lot of the other women, their lives were ruined. And stripping was the only way they got respect from men. Because when they would tell a man that they were a stripper, oh, the guy would try to move heaven and earth to be with her. Because he wanted to be that special guy that was her protector. So it varies. It varies. The lifestyle is what you have to concern yourselves with, folks. Are you willing to take on the lifestyle of that person or in some way you guys reach a compromise where you can coexist with that lifestyle being part of your relationship whatever it is some people can some people can't and this is the reason why you have to know yourself know your values know your standards and self-define yourself and your purpose early on so that you won't stray too far away from the norm and the norm is you Because the worst thing in the world you could do is come out of a relationship and not knowing what the hell you are, who the hell you are, where your identity is, and then look back at some of the things that were questionably moral that you have done in the process of appeasing another person. A lot of you ladies now are regretting the fact that you're in your 40s and there are sex tapes out there of you that you might have done with a lover back in the day or an ex-husband or a boyfriend. Or you were one of those party girls back in college and now you're having a difficult time explaining to your sons and daughters why is mommy on her knees in front of six or seven guys? There was a lady that wrote me, I think it was last year, no, year before last it was, and What she had done on a dare with her girlfriends was that she was going to go to this frat boy party at this college. And she was a senior in high school. The girlfriend went. But when the girlfriend got there, she had punked this woman into servicing these men, which she did. And they guys paid her a hundred bucks. That didn't have any effect on her until after she had her family. One of the tapes got leaked out on one of the popular porn sites. And a person in their town found out about it. And before you knew it, her kids knew about it. And her daughter confronted her about it and she didn't know what to say. 
And of course, that put a blemish on her with the family. So you have to watch what you're doing, folks. There's some men out there who videotape everything, especially sexual escapades. Be careful on that. Some of you ladies do the same thing. Be careful. In some states, they need to know that they're being recorded because you can definitely wind up in court if you're not careful. If it ever gets out. So you want to be vigilant on that. I thank you for listening, folks. I want you to take care. And don't forget, we all have fantasies and fetishes to some degree. It's how you reveal them to your partner. Romantic Truth would like to take this opportunity and applaud our listeners and over 40 countries for their support. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. The views and opinions of this podcast does not reflect those of Romantic Truth, Anchor, Spotify, or any of its affiliates. The opinions expressed are solely those of the host and guests, and should not be deemed as professional guidance, advice, or a professional practice. In the event you may need professional assistance, contact your local federal, state, or county agencies for specific assistance in social services, family counseling, or mental health services. For all medical, legal, and financial services please contact the appropriate licensed and certified professionals within your region. The music that is provided on this podcast that is not provided by Anchor is used under waiver by Jaws and One Music for fair use. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.